Welcome to Wellness Now, a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. Each week we go in depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Hello and welcome to Wellness Now, presented by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. I'm your host, Dr. Michael White. Do you often ask people to repeat themselves while speaking to you? Does your family complain that your TV volume is too loud? These may be signs of hearing loss, which affects millions of Americans. Luckily, we have an audiologist here with us today to help answer your questions and tell us what we can do to take care of our hearing. Dr. Lisa Aiki is a district medical group provider at Valleywise Health. Dr. Aiki, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. So we'll start out pretty simple here. So what causes hearing loss? Main things that cause hearing loss are noise exposure and aging, probably the two biggest ones. One we can kind of prevent, the other one is a little out of our control, so we just kind of have to embrace it as we go. Loud noise, as you said, is one of these causes. You know, and oftentimes we hear about loud music in small exposures, and I'm, what I'm thinking about is like a rock concert. You'll go to a rock concert where it's really, really loud for that period of time, but then you don't do it for a while. What type of loud noises are necessary for us to sustain damage to our hearing? So when you're thinking about loud noise, even just a couple small exposures can cause hearing loss over time that kind of builds up. So what you're really thinking about is the level of exposure and the amount of time. So anything over 80 decibels, so something you'd have to shout to talk over for a period longer than 30 minutes has the potential to cause hearing loss, and that's a time when you'd want to use hearing protection, back away from the sound source, make it quieter, Um, and as you get louder, the time is shorter. So once you're up to like 120 decibels, so really loud, like a gunshot, an airplane, things like that, you can actually develop hearing loss within minutes. Wow. Is it able to recover from that as if you take the exposure away? Or as you said earlier, is the effect more, you know, small incremental damage causes us long-term damage over time? So usually it does, it doesn't get better. There are situations such as a sudden hearing loss, where if you woke up one day and your hearing was suddenly worse, and that's a situation where you could see an audiologist and an ear, nose, and throat doctor, Mm -hmm. and they could try to treat that but there's a very short window of time. Most people wouldn't notice that they had hearing loss after a concert, so usually you wouldn't think to do anything about that and you notice the effects later on in your life. How common is this problem of hearing loss? You know, again, loud noise exposure being one side, but you just also noted that the other big cause is as we get older, we start to lose some of our hearing function. So how often do we see this um, in the overall population? In my life, it feels like everybody, but um, I actually looked it up. It's one in eight adults actually experience hearing loss. And in my realm, I work with a lot of pediatrics and infants, and that is two to three in every thousand. But if you think about it, over life, it was one in eight adults over 12 years of age. Wow. So fairly common problem that we see um, around this. Are there certain medications that can cause this that we have to be wary of? You know, we talked about those other two, but are there other things that can cause hearing loss? Yeah, and there's usually when your doctor puts you on a medication that can cause hearing loss, they'll talk to you about the risks and then you'll set you up with a monitoring schedule. So you'd come in, get your hearing tested, and then we'd monitor as you go. Those things are usually life-saving measures when these happen. Big antibiotics, chemotherapy drugs. There are a few others out there that can cause 
hearing loss and you'll hear commercials for some of them that say if you hear sudden change of hearing consult your doctor and those are you're looking for ototoxic medications how do we know if this hearing loss is normal say as part of aging for example missing something here now and then around this or something more serious that does need to see somebody like you an audiologist or, or one of your physician colleagues no hearing loss is normal so any problem with hearing is something that should be checked out. Something that you would see that if you're constantly having to ask for clarification, a lot of times your family is the first one to tell you that you're driving them nuts. <laughs> but you would, if you notice that you know people are talking to you, but you just can't understand the message that's coming your way, that's a big sign. The other thing that a lot of people notice first is tinnitus or ringing in the ears. A lot of people their hearing loss comes on so gradually, they don't know what's happening, but then they get that ringing and they're like, holy cow, what is this? And that's kind of one of the signs too. Are there different types of hearing loss that we have to deal with? Three big ones. There's conductive hearing loss, which means there's something going on in your ear canal or behind your eardrum. Sensory neural hearing loss, which is more of your long-term hearing loss that comes with noise exposure and aging, or mixed, which is the two together. When we talk about those three types as you're evaluating a patient, does that lead us to certain options that we have to be able to treat this or help people adapt, you know, if this is a permanent thing that we can't recover from? Definitely. So if you have a conductive hearing loss, or some people will call it temporary hearing loss, although it's not always temporary. Mm-hmm you would go and see an ear, nose, and throat doctor, an otolaryngologist, and they would assess it and treat it and hopefully get you hearing better. If you have a sensory neural hearing loss, a long-term hearing loss, that's when you think about getting hearing aids. That would be the option for treating a sensory neural hearing loss. And mixed, as you could probably guess, since it's the two, some ENT, some hearing aids, the two treat it together. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about what you need to know when it comes to hearing loss. Valleywise Health offers exceptional health care at several locations across Maricopa County. If you need medical care or have questions for one of our clinicians, visit valleywisehealth.org to get started. So how do you test for hearing loss? Typically, it's a series of tests. You come in, we put you in a really quiet room, and we play beeps, and you push a button when you hear it or raise your hand. Um, There's some speech testing involved. We make you repeat words and all the tests combined give us kind of a picture of how your hearing is functioning on a daily basis. So, you know, we talked about a couple of the treatment things around this. And when do you recommend that people consider some sort of adjunctive therapy, such as hearing aids around those to be able to help with people's hearing? So you main thing, you have to be ready for it because you have to be willing to put them on every day and do the maintenance. But research shows As soon as you find out that you have hearing loss and the sooner you get hearing aids, the better you do with them. Because if you think about it, so say you find out today you have hearing loss and you wait 10 years to get help. That's 10 years where your brain is missing this sound and missing out on all these events that happen in your life. Papers crunching, the toilet flushing, the air conditioning turning on. So as soon as you get the hearing aid 10 years later, your brain's overwhelmed. It's like, whoa. What is happening? And it takes you a long time to get used to it, and you don't do as well because you have to go through that retraining process. Whereas if you got the hearing aids today, 
you have not gone as long missing all these sounds and your brain kind of starts to adjust a little bit faster. And then if hearing loss continues to occur, you just kind of adapt as it goes. So are there different types of devices or hearing aids that you can prescribe for individuals to help them, you know, adapt as they're going forward? Typically, there's a couple different styles based on your preference. Most people use a digital hearing aid, which is programmable and can change with you as your hearing loss changes. There are a couple implantable hearing solutions, such as like a cochlear implant or a bone anchored hearing aid, and those treat very specific cases of hearing loss, not really your general aging or noise-induced kind. How often do they need to be checked, and how often do you have to go back and have these reassessed to say, we need to make changes so you can hear better? I would say getting them checked every six months, getting it, them cleaned up. They do sit on your ears, which have, you know, a little exposure to wax and your hair products and dirt in the environment. So getting them checked every six months and then getting your hearing checked at least every year or sooner if you notice a change. We talked one of the types is a cochlear implant. Talk to me a little bit about what is a cochlear implant. So a cochlear implant is used with somebody who has profound sensory neural hearing loss, which means they have little to no hearing left. And it's an electrode array that is inserted by an otolaryngologist into your cochlea, and it kind of stimulates artificially. So it's regenerating your hearing in an artificial way, but it's your way of hearing, so it sounds to you. Normal to me, exactly. How often is that the solution as opposed to, I would say, you know, the more common digital hearing aid type, you know, situation? It's way less common, more often in pediatrics who are diagnosed at birth with their newborn hearing screening. Usually we want to implant kids before age one or 18 months, depending on their surgeon. Sometimes older adults will get them as they get older and their hearing loss progresses, but typically they would go from a regular hearing aid to a cochlear implant if you were getting it in adulthood. Is it possible that this only affects one ear versus both ears? Yeah. And that's definitely something you want to get checked out for. I tell my patients this every day. We have two ears our whole life. We take them everywhere we go. They should change together. One changes differently from the other. We want to know why that's happening. That's not as normal as them changing together. What are some things that people can do to prevent hearing loss and prevent it from getting worse, you know, before they have to get to one of these, you know, types of therapies? Being safe in noise. If you're in a noisy environment, something you have to shout to talk over, it's too loud. Turn it down, back away, use hearing protection, anything you can do to make that sound quieter. Other things are managing chronic conditions. It's something we don't think about a lot, but if we have conditions that affect our body, such as diabetes, high blood pressure, those things can affect our hearing too. So kind of staying healthy and going through all your well checks, they do give you at an annual wellness visit, they will test your hearing just to kind of see where you're at as well. When we talk about hearing protection, are there different types of protection that we should be doing if we have to be in one of those spaces where we don't have control over the volume to be able to turn it down? Yeah, most common one that everyone's familiar with is foam earplugs, Mm -hmm. making sure they're inserted properly. If you have majority of the foam hanging out of your ear, it's not helping you. Um, Another one is muffs, big ear muffs that, you know, you can use while you're shooting or mowing the lawn. Those things will also help protect your hearing. 
Audiologist Dr. Lisa Aki is answering your top questions about hearing loss. You can make a virtual or in-person appointment with a district medical group provider at ValleyWise Health by calling 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. or by visiting valleywisehealth.org and clicking the book appointment button. What should someone do if they think they're starting to lose their hearing? Make an appointment, get your hearing tested, and find out. A lot of times, if you think it's happening, chances are there's something going on that has just happened so slowly over time, you're just now noticing it. Sometimes it's also something simple. You might have wax in your ears. You might have some allergies that are causing you to have eustachian tube dysfunction and making you feel plugged up. Lots of things can cause hearing loss, and getting checked out by an audiologist or an otolaryngologist can be helpful. Talk a little bit about wax. You know, one of the things that is on the market that easily available that clean out your ears or something like Q-tips. Are there things that we should be doing to keep our ears healthy and things we should not be doing, you know, to keep our ears healthy as well? Q-tips are a huge no-no. So everyone thinks, oh, this is designed to go in my ear. Not, not the case. Your ear canal, only the front portion of your ear canal makes wax. The second you stick that Q-tip in there and you push the wax back into the back portion, it's going to get stuck and it's never going to come out on its own. Best thing you can do is just wipe your ears off with a cloth when you're in the shower and leave them alone. Is it harder to understand certain people? You know, we've talked a lot about hearing loss. We really haven't talked about, you know, the different, I'm going to say frequencies, and that's probably the wrong term, but is it harder to differentiate different sounds? And is it possible that people are just, you know, not able to hear those certain sounds? Yeah. The most common hearing loss is high frequency sensory neural, which tends to be those high, fast talking women voices like myself. I have to, to slow down quite often. A lot of patients will say, I can't hear my wife. She's talking too soft or too quietly. And a lot of the times it's just because of the resonance of your ear canal where the hearing loss occurs is in those high frequencies where a lot of the fine aspects of speech occur. When you have a lower voice, you tend to have a little bit more bass behind it and it makes it easier to hear. Are there certain things that the body does to accommodate that over time? Many people, as you say, don't notice this until it's gotten progressive, progressively worse around it. Family starts to notice it. What type of things do people do or behaviors do people do to accommodate if they start to have hearing loss? Main thing is, you know, you'll notice the TV's up really loud. People ask for clarification a lot. Sometimes people without even knowing it, and I think a big thing this year that people notice is they watch, they lip read, and they don't even know they're doing it until 2020 came and we're all wearing masks and nobody can lip read and everyone's noticed that they can't hear as well as they used to. You know, I think that it was striking me around that as well as how much that we rely on that visual cue to complement what we're hearing and looking at people's mouth motions now that we're not able to do that. It's been one of these you know, truly fascinating things as we've gone through the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, you, you get so many emotions. People, you can tell if they're happy, if they're sad, but when you can only see their eyes, it's just not as much. Sometimes you don't get the expression. If someone's telling you something and they're mad, you might not get it as much if you can't see their whole face. As we think about hearing loss, does hearing loss cause or can it affect other chronic conditions? Certainly as we get older, you know, we're at a higher risk of dementia and uh, other associated things. Can the hearing loss lead to people developing these other types of conditions? 
Yeah, there's research out there that shows that people with hearing loss are more susceptible for dementia-related illness, and it's because your brain, you're missing out on these things. You're missing out on so many aspects of your life. Another thing that's really common is depression. Um, if you are feeling isolated because you can't hear, you'll find yourself avoiding large gatherings. You find yourself avoiding hanging around your family and things like that. And it can cause a lot of things that people don't really necessarily think, oh, hearing loss, that's what's doing it. Are there ways that people are able to uh, adapt to the devices that you prescribe? How do people then adjust over time to be able to be to get used to these, take all these inputs in, and not become overwhelmed and say, I'm just putting these in a drawer. I can't stand it. I liked it better the other way. So when we fit a hearing aid, what we're doing is, in audiology speak, we're fitting to targets. And your target is how we would increase your hearing if it was normal. And what we'll do is we'll set you below target and we'll kind of boost you up over time. That way you're not getting really overwhelmed by everything. Sometimes we'll provide you with volume control if you're a good patient. <laughs> Some people turn it down too much. but And then you come and see us for a couple weeks. So you'll come in every two weeks for the first couple weeks so that we can turn you up a little bit over time so that you get used to it and it's not so overwhelming. Are there any new treatments coming down? So, you know, hearing aids have been around a long time. Now, I, they've gotten smaller. They've mm -hmm. certainly gotten more sophisticated. You know, I just, I think about my parents who um, both wear hearing aids, both have them honestly connected to their phones, you know, through through Bluetooth now and things. So it's, it's great. You know, they don't need AirPods. They have these hearing aids. Are there any other new treatments coming down along the way to, to help individuals cope with this? Right now, it's just devices. The big thing that everyone's been trying to research is hair cell regeneration, but not quite there in human populations, still just kind of in the animal testing phase. But hearing aids have come so far. I have a trouble with my pediatric kids listening to music in the classroom because you can't get caught with it like you used to. So I have to tell them that that's not okay. But that's the same thing. You can listen, all these great technology that you have with hearing aids. How did you personally get involved in this and become, you know, engaged in wanting to help people around, you know, the study of audiology and hearing loss? What drove you to, to this profession? I originally went to school for speech pathology and I had to take audiology because they're kind of sister majors in that class. And I started taking all these audiology classes and I just loved it so much more. Hearing is, to me, more black and white than speech and just kind of drew me in and here we are. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about what you need to know when it comes to hearing loss. As we think about this and we think about the study of this, of hearing and, you know, these newer technologies around regeneration and, and some of that and protection, are there things coming out now that people should understand around protection? I know, you know, it's certainly become more evident as I think about my watch. You know, my watch tells me now if I'm in too loud of an environment to get out of that environment. Are there ways other than just the mechanical, you know, earplugs, earmuffs coming through? Or is it just a broader education of people around? You know, these are the things that we need to do to prevent hearing loss. I think it's the tips and the tricks of like the technology signaling to you when you're doing things, but also just knowing. A lot of people that come to me say, well, yeah, I work in construction, but I don't, I'm not using the machinery all the time. But if you're using these machines every day 
like 20 minutes a day, that builds up over time. And a lot of people just don't know that that's happening. Other things we do at home, mowing the lawn, that's a very loud thing. Landscaping's huge in Arizona. And I get a lot of people who don't think that that is something that's going to hurt their ears over time because it's only little increments throughout their whole day. I think a lot of people think rock concerts, working on like a tarmac at an airport, like things that are noisy 24 hours a day. One of the common questions that we get is, you know, when uh, our children or even, you know, our peers are listening to music with headphones and I can hear that, is that too loud? And how dangerous is that for the patient that may be listening to that? Yeah, that's an excellent question and something we should really be aware of. I always tell parents, if you can hear your kids' headphones, it's way too loud. Huge incidents of teenage preteens having hearing loss that didn't used to exist before this happened. Um, We don't really think about it when they're gaming, when they're on their school computers, when they're listening to music. They need to turn it down. It's easy when you're in the room. You can hear it. You know that it's too loud. But the headphones, if you can hear it or if you're trying to talk to them and they're not responding, it's too loud. They need to turn it down. Big noise-induced hearing loss in our younger population we get one set of our ears for our entire life and we have to take care of them because you know you don't get another set and that means hearing aids when you're 15 instead of 65 do you ever advocate you know parents utilizing some of the technologies that are on these devices to be able to restrict the volume you know for the children that may just you know don't have enough insight or can't get enough insight around this yeah that is one of the great things about technologies you can put the noise limiting on um, Another thing that they have now is lists of things that are too loud. So you can actually go up and look at noisy toilets, headphones that get too loud, and research these products where you can either cap it or they're known to cause hearing loss because kids have used them too many times. We've talked a little bit about hearing loss. Is this something that I have to worry about if it's been present in my parents? Is it, you know, hereditary? It can be. Just like everything else, there's the chance that you'll get that sensitivity to sound passed on from your parents it's also environmental could have been that your parents were working in a loud factory for a long time but sometimes that's not the case at all and we do have that genetic predisposition another thing when you're talking about our younger population is that sometimes hearing loss is late onset so what that means is that you experience the sound when you were in your 20s, and then all of a sudden, as you're getting older, the hearing loss starts getting worse and worse, and people don't understand. I haven't worked in 20 years, but all of that noise, plus your aging, maybe your genetic predisposition, have caused this hearing loss to kind of culminate and be a real big problem. As we're ending our time together here this afternoon, what are some tips and tricks or three things that we can leave our audience with that will help them understand their hearing and ways to help protect their hearing or even treat their hearing loss? I would say if you feel like it's getting worse, get it checked out. Go see somebody. That's a big thing so that you know so you can do something about it. Big thing that I always tell my patients, if you have to shout to talk over it, it's too loud. And then just being aware of things that you can do to improve your health on a daily basis, monitoring your other conditions, making sure that you're staying healthy and being safe around loud noise. I think those are wonderful tips, you know, around that. You know, in your experience in dealing with this for such a long period of time, what do patients kind of tell you about, you know, when they're able to recover some of their hearing through some of these devices and things? How rewarding can that be for them to be able to get some of that? 
It's great, and it tends to be, you know, in my pediatric population, you see these kids explode with their speech and language, and that is rewarding for me, seeing that they've changed so much in this period of time. For adults, a lot of times, they just are re-engaged with their family. They feel like they can go back out into their group settings. They get back into their life, which I think is something we could all relate to right now. We're all itching to get back into our regular life, and that's how these people feel on a daily basis once they get the help that they need. Dr. Aki, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. If you missed any part of the show or want to hear something again, you can access all of our blogs and podcasts at valleywisehealth.org slash bewell. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to Wellness Now, brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org slash bewell. There you'll find blogs, podcasts, and information about the healthcare providers you heard on the show. You can even book an appointment at a Valleywise Community Health Center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash bewell. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.